Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. With NFL playoffs already underway and the NBA season in full swing, Bet Online has you covered with all the up-to-the-second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get into the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Remember, that's B-L-E-A-V. Bet online where the game starts. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Believe in Lions podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V, right here on the Believe Network. And of course, this is another Victory Monday episode. The Lions are headed to the NFC Championship game. They knock off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They will be taking on the San Francisco 49ers. And I am joined as always, by a man who got to watch the Lions beat the Buccaneers live and in person, a man who's planning to head to San Francisco to see them hopefully capture another victory, a man who has a couple interceptions for the Lions in his career, knows a thing or two about winning. It's the one, the only, Glover Quinn. What's up, man? (laughs) Uh, What is up? Not too much. I am just loving life right now. What a game it was yesterday. A lot of stress at times, but just so fun to follow along. And we were right heading into this. This was going to be a tough game, and the Lions just come out on top. Yeah, I mean, I thought the game went exactly kind of how, I mean, at least I thought it would go. You know, I thought the game would be tough. Um, I think my final score predictions were somewhere in the – 31 27 to 13 17 range and you know when the score was 10 10 um and the Lions end up getting a touchdown and made it 17 10 and you know I felt like it would just be one of those games back and forth and the Lions would get a couple of scores later in the game and win by 10 to 13 points and although it ended up being only eight points but you know the game went kind of how I thought it would go and the Lions end up being the better team. They got the win, and um, now they're moving on. They are. They are. And it's just been such a long time coming for this. The first appearance in the NFC Championship since 1991. The second time they've ever appeared in the NFC Championship. And so just as a player who has been there, who was there through some of the ups, some of the downs, both of the city of Detroit, the team, the Detroit Lions, just someone who's been there riding with the Lions through all of it. What does this mean to you, seeing the Lions head to the NFC Championship? I mean, it means a lot, man, because, you know, sometimes it takes a while for certain things to come to, you know, to fruition. And I remember back in 2013 when I was a free agent, right? And I take a visit to Detroit. Detroit was the first team that called me in a tampering period. They wanted me to come out. And like I've told this story many times, I had no time. I had no intentions of signing with Detroit when I first took the visit. I got out there and Martin Mayhew, Mayhew, the general manager, expressed to me how he wanted to change the culture in Detroit. And he wanted me to be a part of that. He wanted me to be one of the guys that helped change the culture for Detroit. And 
and you know things worked out i ended up signing in detroit and it was the start of that trying to change the organization um a lot of battles behind closed doors meetings things organizationally that we could have done better and you know me along with other guys that we had leaders just fighting for hey we could do this we should be able to do this we could do that trying to play well on the field getting primetime games we had guys like calvin and, and stafford and all those guys right and you know you're you're fighting to change the the narrative um of what people think about detroit and you know we make a couple of playoffs and we were never able to get out the first round um we had a couple uh winner take all championship game type games with against green bay and we were never able to get over that hump you know aaron Rodgers and green bay they, they took us out every time right but i feel like we were showing what we were capable of what the team was capable of we we were setting a new standard of like what the lines could be and then the organization took uh, a little dip and they re quickly realized that they were going in the wrong direction and i feel like that was because we had fought to show what the city what the team could be and to bring dan campbell in someone that embodied what the city of detroit is about hard work dedication grit toughness and to build a team and for them to get the team back to the level of where we were and then exceed that right to have the right group of players young players older players and and to to win a division title to win a home playoff game to win a divisional playoff game and to be in the NFC championship game. It's a hu huge deal. It's, it's great to see because like I say, there's a lot of people that come before you that you stand on their shoulders, right. To, to make ways for the, for the next guys. And that's why the alumni, the older people, that's why we all celebrate because, no, we're not out there playing right now. We're not out there playing right now. But you understand some of the battles that you fought to help those guys be in a position to where they can be there. And like I said, you're not out there playing, but you still feel a part of it. And that's what it feels like to me. It feels great to see these guys, to see the city, to see the team uh, doing really well and to be at a stage that they've never been on in a long time. I guess, you know, the last time, I guess, was 1991, I think, when they was in the NFC title game. So to see that is just amazing. And to be a part of it, to be at the games, to witness it all, uh, it's been really, 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 really cool. And it's, sure. so, and it's so cool seeing all the guys from your era of the Detroit Lions come back and return and hang out and watch this team. You guys like Golden Tate, Calvin Johnson, Stephen Tully, DeAndre Levy. You could tell you had a pristine, just an amazing group of guys with you in Detroit. You could see it was heading in the right direction and it just it didn't pan together. And so now for it to 
go through that time where you could see the hope coming, have it go back down for a couple years there, and now just to rise back up. It is just so special, both for the team, for the city of Detroit, and just so happy for all of these fans. Right. And like I said, I don't think that takes away any any of your greatness. Cause I think I think fans, teams, people, they can see certain things, right? There's there's a lot of great players that play basketball. They just played in the wrong era. They just played in the Jordan era and they and they couldn't win. Or they played in the LeBron era and they they couldn't get out the Eastern Conference because LeBron was there, right? Or, you know, Tom Brady was there. That doesn't mean Miami or the Jets. They never had top teams. They just couldn't get over Tom Brady. And I feel like we were one of those things. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is an all-time great quarterback. And it was just difficult for us to get over that hurdle, of that hump and, and secure a division title. And I'm not taking anything away from anybody. That's just That was just a part of what it was for us. Um, but these guys are playing at a high level. You know, their their offense is executing at a high level. The defense has gotten better and better and better. And although they sputter at times, but that's a part of football. That's a part of everything. I mean, you're going to have some ups. You're going to have some downs. It's just about battling through all of it and fighting through it and being a team, right? The team picks each other up when one group is not doing what holding up their end of the bargain. That's a part about being a team. And so I think they're playing – as well as anybody in the playoffs right now. I think offensively, defensively, special teams-wise, they've, pro- they've probably been the most solid team in the playoffs. I mean, I know the Ravens and the 49ers only played one game, but I think they looked better than the 49ers. Um, that's not saying that they're they're going to beat the 49ers, but I think they looked better than the 49ers. The Ravens looked really good on, on Saturday. Um, the Chiefs, you know, the Chiefs has been battling and, and finding ways to win, you know, and that's what the playoffs is all about. And so I like I like where the lines are. I'm 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 excited for those guys. And like I say, I, I already got my flight booked to, to San Francisco. I booked it last weekend. You know, when we won the first game, I went ahead on and booked my flight for San Francisco because I felt like, hey, San Francisco is going to win. And that's where we're going to have to go. So. I'll be in San Francisco just trying to uh, find the right tickets for uh, for the game. But I'll definitely uh, be in the city for sure. And I absolutely love that you felt confident enough to book those tickets ahead of time because that's not something that you normally do. You're usually pretty cautious with that kind of thing, which is why you also didn't announce it publicly. You didn't want to make it seem like you were trying to jinx the lines, but you just knew. You could just feel it that this is a special team coming together at the right time. And they played like it against the Buccaneers. Now there were highs and there were lows, but early in the game, it was the defense that was making plays, keeping the offense in it. And then as the game goes on, the offense starts to pull away. The special teams were on point as well. Just everything coming together for the Detroit lions. Yeah, it really did. You know, getting a turnover early. um, Just that's a big momentum you know, crowd just big time, right? That that that's huge. Um, getting touchdown early, that's huge. Getting a field goal, going up 10, 10, 3, right? And then you give up a touchdown. Now it's a it's it's 
tough game, right? You're going into halftime. It's a tie ball game, I think, 10-10 at the half. And I think they got ball after half. And then you come out and you get a big stop. And then you, you end up going to score and scoring again, right, uh, however it went. And so, you know, it was just – I mean, it's it's just so un undescribable, you know, what what it felt like just being there and and watching and seeing it all unfold. And the one thing that you know I saw early in the game that had me a little concerned, especially early in the game, is how we were playing Mike Evans because we we were leaving Cam Sutton one-on-one with Mike Evans a lot. Um, and he made a couple plays. I mean, the touchdown that they got right before the half, you know, Mike Evans had two big catches on that, on that drive alone for probably 60 yards, right? Had the one down the sideline, like they were in some form of cover two or some form of something where he was able to get wide open down the sideline. And then he beat Cam Sutton uh, over the top. I didn't really like that. You know, because, I mean, Mike Evans has done it for a long time. We know that going into the game. And so to see that we had him one-on-one a lot, that was, you know, concerning. But that also showed a lot of confidence in Cam that they felt like he could he could do it. And I thought for the most part he held up. Um, so I thought the secondary looked. Looked pretty solid. I thought Tampa's group of wide receivers were 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 pretty good. They were riding high coming into the game. And I thought they did a great job of tackling in space. They did a great job of keeping the big plays off of them outside of a couple. And they were able to get a couple turnovers defensively. And I think that was huge. You know, we had one play defensively when Aiden Hutchinson got the sack. You know, ba- Baker wanted to throw a quick slant. And the linebacker or the D-lineman, one of them, bagged up right into that window and made him pull the ball down and it allowed Aiden Hutchinson to get a sack. That knocked him out of field goal range and made them punt the ball. Those are huge plays in the game. Huge plays. And they don't go on the stat sheet as a turnover, but it's essentially a turnover. You go, it's a, at least it's a three-point swing. You go from kicking a field goal, probably getting three points. Let's call it a two-and-a-half-point swing. Maybe you missed a field goal, but that completely changes the complexity of the game, forcing that back up, getting pressure on Baker Mayfield. And Baker played very well yesterday. He was slinging it, but there were times you could tell he wasn't thrilled being out there. When after that sack by Aiden Hutchinson, the unblocked one, he was on fire. And after that interception early in the game as well, when CJ GJ flips the ball back to Baker, you could tell he starts thinking, do I really want to be here? And now he battled back. He rallied, but you could tell that the Lions were getting to Baker Mayfield. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could tell. And, you know, that's a big stage, man. And, you know, Baker tried and, you know, he did a good job. And, and you know, the, the back and forth throughout the week with, with him and, and CJ, you know, that's a part of the game. I mean, I'm sure they've had some battles throughout. And, you know, for CJ to get an interception early in the game, you know, it's a good tone setter. And, you know, he tossed the ball to to Baker I didn't see that during the game. I saw it on, on social media. Hey, man, 
that's that's his personality. That's how he like to play the game. Me personally, I'm keeping the ball. I'm not tossing it to anybody. I I, I need all the ball that I caught. I need them. I need the heads on the wall. Is what I used to call them. <laughs> Bring it to me. Um, but you know, that's just that's his personality. That's how he um you know plays and. And the, the team, you know, rallied behind that. And that was a huge moment early in the game. It's a tone setter. Those are things that just sets the tone of how we're here to play today. And I thought it was a great job. And, you know, it's all, it always feels good when you have a little banter, a little talk back and forth, and then you make a play early in the game. Like, it always feels good because I'm pretty sure if Baker would have threw a, a touchdown on him or a big play on him, he probably would have had something to say as well. So that's just a part of it. It is what it is. I don't think there's any, you know, feud or anything there. I think I saw somewhere where CJ was like, oh, yeah, I tossed you the ball. I need that back when you send me the jersey or whatever. So it's all respect. It's just a part of the game. That's exactly how I take it, too. I, I like you. I didn't notice in the moment he flipped the ball to Baker Mayfield. I see that after and I see Baker's face and it's just like, ooh, that rattled him just a little bit. I'm all right with that because it could go the other way. It could light a fire. If you do that to Patrick Mahomes, I think that lights a fire where he comes back as we've seen him and Max Crosby battle over the years. But it just all worked out. It just all worked out for the Detroit Lions on offense, on defense. I was surprised at how well the Buccaneers ran the ball and the fact that they didn't go back to it either. And I guess Rashad White did get banged up, but he averaged over six yards per carry and only ran the ball nine times. That feels like it could have been exploited a little bit more, and I'm glad they didn't. Right. I mean, that, and that scared me because, you know, like we've had games earlier in the season, right? And I've said this. You can tell a lot about how the Lions are going to play, how they start the game. A lot of the games that we've lost this year, if you look at how we started the game, we probably was a three and out or something offensively, and we couldn't stop the run game. Baltimore won. They got the ball. They went right down the field, scored a touchdown. We couldn't score. They go right back down the field. Run. Like So when we came out, our first three plays, I think we went three and out on the first drive. I, I remember sitting in the suite with Tully and was like, ah, oh, we didn't like that drive. That, ah, that wasn't good. And then, like you said, he come out and he breaks a couple of runs and it's like he's getting seven, eight, ten yards. It's like, all right, guys, I, I don't like how we're starting out defensively and I don't like how we started out offensively. And so we were able to overcome it and beat, Tampa but now you're you're playing against a team and a running back in Christian McCaffrey somebody who Kyle Shanahan is gonna get the ball to right he's gonna try to get the ball to him the thing that the Lions have to hope for and and hope that happens is that Kyle Shanahan gets in Kyle Shanahan's way a lot of times that's what happened instead of him handing the ball off to Christian McCaffrey and picking up eight, 10 yards or whatever. He likes to throw it. He likes to, he likes to be that guy that says that I'm the great play caller, you know, and I'm familiar with Kyle Shanahan. I was in Houston with Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator my rookie year, my first two years, I think maybe when I was in uh, Houston, Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. Um, Matt LaFleur, the head coach of the Packers, he was the quarterback's coach. Robert Sala, the head coach for the Jets, was the linebacker quality control coach. 
D'Amico Rines, who's the head coach for the Texans, was the middle linebacker. Like, all these guys were right there. All these guys. You know, so I've seen Kyle Shanahan up close and impersonal, and that's just how he is. So we just got to hope that Kyle Shanahan get in his own way um, and give us a few opportunities because we know that they're going to try to be a physical team. They're going to try to, you know, bully and 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 show that they're tougher or whatever. Um, but I think Detroit's ready for that. Yeah, the 49ers are a funny team because they do want to play bully ball. But then, like you said, they also want to get fancy with it. They want to dial up these perfect little play calls, get a guy right. wide open. And so how do you, A, prepare for that? And B, is there anything you can do to incentivize Kyle Shanahan to get in Kyle Shanahan's way to start making those fancy play calls even when the running running's going well? Or is it just something that happens by keeping pace with them? Yeah, just something that happens. It's just Kyle Shanahan is going to be Kyle Shanahan. It's just what Kyle's going to do. Um, and he's been successful probably more times than not. But he 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 will have those moments in the game where he's going to do that. I To me, the biggest thing this whole week, and this is just my personal opinion, is going to be the health of Debo Samuel. That's I mean, we saw throughout the week, throughout the season, right? The 49ers went on a three-game losing streak, and Debo Samuel was absent all three of those games. They're, they are not the same team when Debo Samuel is not there. Um, so Debo Samuel, the health that is reported and 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 how he, if he can go or if he can't go, that right there to me, is a big deal for this game. It is a massive deal for this game. And we even saw it against the Packers. The offense, they were still able to move the ball, but it wasn't as efficient. They weren't able to march the ball down the field like they were early in the game because he went out, but Debo was already looking like he was on his way to a special day. And with Debo Samuel, it's not even just about what he does with the ball in his hand because they do. you want to call it window dressing or whatever, but they do so much motion, so much different things. They'll bunch him to one side, throw him to the other side because they know your eyes are on Debo Samuel. So the stuff he does off ball is going to be a lot different if he's out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, he just opens up so much for for your offense because it's just another person that you have to have eyes on. And so when you take him off the field, now you can put more eyes on a Christian McCaffrey. You can put more eyes on a on a George Kittle. Right. But when Debo is out there, now we got to make sure. OK, well, now we got to find out where's Christian, where's Debo, where's George? You know, who who are they using here? Like and it just it just creates a lot of different things and Debo Samuel who's a receiver but he's also a running back playing wide receiver you can throw him a quick screen pass and he has the run after catch ability to turn that into a 60 yard touchdown right and so when you take that type of weapon off of the field um that's huge and like I say and I and I don't know why or if it's he's just that dynamic but I just feel like a player of that caliber for the 49ers, especially in today's game when opportunities are few anyway, why is he back there returning kicks? I just because we can say what we want to say. I mean, I feel like that first that first return, I mean, he took a hit. 
I'm not saying that woke that shoulder up, but it possibly could have. Because I think on the, the very next drive, he catches a, whatchamacallit, takes a hit, and then boom, he's out. Right? A guy of that magnitude, I don't know if I have him back there returning kicks. I just don't. I, But, you know, I'm not the 49ers. <sighs> Put him back there. <laughs> Put him back there. Let us let us get some let's get some free hits on him. And that's what we're going to be watching on the 49ers offensive side of the ball. Is Debo going to play? Because that completely changes this offense. It's still a good offense without Debo, but it's a great offense with Debo. And then on the defensive side of the ball, very similar to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where they've got these linebackers that kind of dictate the defense. And the, the 49ers also have a fierce pass rush, too. But Fred Warner making plays like Levante David. And we talked about this before the Bucks game, too. Could the Lions make plays on the linebackers in the run game and as a receiver? Well, Sam Laporta, nine receptions for 65 yards this time, only two incompletions when throwing to Sam Laporta. And David Montgomery didn't have a big game. He had 47 yards, but Jameer Gibbs went off 114 yards from scrimmage, 8.2 yards per carry. That is going to be tough to do against the 49ers, but it's a good start at the very least. Oh, yeah. I mean, that one touchdown run Jameer Gibbs had was incredible run. I mean, man, Tully was sitting there talking before that play. It was like, man, he's a he's a tough guy to tackle, especially in space. And some of these linebackers are getting caught one on one situations and he's just hard to bring down. And a couple of plays later, he makes a cut and he's one on one with the safety in open space. And it's just not a lot that the safety can do in that situation. He makes the cut before you even get close enough to tackle him. And he just outruns you to the end zone. I mean, that's just really, you know, a special player. And so I think for the Lions, that type of run, you know, and I've always felt this way about Jameer. A lot of times when you see a speed guy, you feel like you want to beat teams to the edge. Well, when you run into the edges, that means the field gets cut off because there are sidelines. And all these defenses are really fast. The linemen, the linebackers, the secondary, all these guys are really fast. So it's very difficult to beat guys, beat teams, just running sideways and things like that. The best runs, the best run games are guys that can get downfield, downhill, one cut, and get north and south. And although Jameer Gibbs is a shifty, fast guy, you would think getting him on the edges and this and this and that, I think he's a very good downhill runner. He he gets the ball. He sees a hole. He can put his foot in the ground, and he's getting north and south. You look at Christian McCaffrey. A lot of his best runs are when he's getting north and south. Those type of runners, when you can get downhill and put your foot in the ground, make one guy miss, and now you're up into the secondary, those are tough guys to to handle i mean i think defense is like when you run sideways we like when the running backs are running sideways because they don't have their shoulders facing us so they don't have any power they don't have anything because they're running sideways right you look at jameer gibbs and say oh man he was able to stiff arm antoine uh winfield jr like that and just throw him to the ground he had no power he's running sideways when you're running sideways you have no power that's how Derrick Henry, that's how they still form all these guys. They get them going. They get to their quarter. Now they're running sideways. And it's easy to just get up on them, use their momentum, and just throw them out the way. 
And so we like that when running backs are like that. We like when they're running sideways. It's an easy tackle. They have no power. But when they're coming straight downhill, those are harder tackles, especially guys that are fast, that can make a move, and they're gone in, in the blink of an eye. And so I really like that type of run style for Jameer Gibbs. And so I think if we can come downhill like that on the 49ers, that's going to at least make those linebackers have to come down here and respect that. And that's going to open up things for Sam Laporte. That's going to open up stuff for Amon Ross St. Brown. That's going to open things up. You're going to put a lot of pressure on a Fred Warner. It is. It is. And that really feels like it's going to be the key for the Detroit Lions offenses. Can we get the play action game going because we got the run game going, which then opens up the stuff, the shots down the field, those big plays. Glover, I am so excited for this one. I am so thrilled about the fact that we beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that we will be heading to San Francisco for the NFC Championship. Do you have any final thoughts on the Bucs game, the 49ers, the NFL, Detroit? Just what are the final things that Glover Quinn's got on his mind here today? Well, I just feel like, you know, for the city of Detroit, you know, we played our last, well, the Lions played the last home game right of the season. And I I think, you know, the the fans came out all year, starting from the opening night in, in Kansas City. Um, and they they supported this team on the road at home. And, you know, it ended yesterday in a big win for the organization. Um, I think, you know, the things that you're seeing is I remember towards the end of my time when I was in Houston, Detroit, um, the ownership was started to make a concerted effort to be involved, to be around, to come to practices, to come to the building, to be like they really made. Uh, effort and um i think it's changed a lot within the organization for sure and to see the city of detroit the team organization finally get an opportunity to to be on this stage and i was talking with a guy yesterday and i was telling him that sometimes things happen and you're not ready infrastructurally for it to happen and sometimes things happen when you're ready. And I feel like the city of Detroit was ready now. They've put a lot of money into the city, downtown. It, it's really nice. It's it's a really nice city. It's nice enough. They're having a draft there this year, right? The city has came back. When I first went to Detroit in 2013, I don't know if the city was ready for that. I don't think I mean, they was having the bankruptcy stuff. They was having this. They was having. It was a whole lot going on in Detroit back in those times, and I think now they've put a lot of effort and energy into bringing uh, such a historical city back to what it, it needs to be, and for the football team to have this type of year and to get that national attention in a great way for the city, I think it's been huge. And so shout out to the city of Detroit, shout out to the, the Lions organization. And Hey man, we're going to the NFC championship game. And, you know, and I don't want to be one of those guys just like, Hey man, whatever happens, Hey, it's been a great season. No, we're here for a reason. You know, you're here. You deserve to win the game. You're not, you didn't fall here by accident. You're here 
because you earned the right to be here. So let's just not be happy that we're here. Might as well go ahead and win it. If we're going to be here, go win it. And so let's have a great week. Have a great work week. Rest up and get yourself ready for a fun weekend of football. And that's exactly it. We, as in the Detroit Lions, are not here by accident. Everything has been leading up to this moment. And it is just such a great time to be a Lions fan. We will be back to cover all things Detroit Lions, preview this matchup with the San Francisco 49ers. But until then, we will see you next time. Peace. Leave it to the Detroit Lions to wait until the exact second that we end our podcast to announce some breaking news. Now, we do know that Zach Ertz is going to be joining the Detroit Lions. He is going to be signing, reuniting with his former tight end coach with the Arizona Cardinals, Steve Hayden. And this was kind of needed, honestly, because Brock Wright, the number two tight end for the Detroit Lions, he is set to miss this game against the San Francisco 49ers. And then the tight end three, James Mitchell, a couple weeks ago, he underwent surgery on a broken hand. He is on injured reserve, so the Detroit Lions are left with Sam Laporta, who's getting healthier, who looked pretty damn good against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Anthony Ferkser. Those are the only two tight ends on the roster. So they signed Zach Ertz, who has over 7,400 career receiving yards, over 46 touchdowns in the career of Zach Ertz. Now, he did average a career-low 6.9 yards per reception, coming off that ACL tear. So was it the injury? Is it the age? I'm not sure. But either way, Zach Ertz was still targeted more than all but five tight ends. So 23.8% of the pass snaps run by Zach Ertz go towards Zach Ertz. The Cardinals loved to target Zach Ertz. It didn't work out the way it used to in the past, but that's okay. The Lions just need him to be a tight end two, tight end three, maybe catch a couple third down conversions. That is all you can ask for this late in the season. We will get Glover Quinn's thoughts on the addition of Zach Ertz later this week. Preview the San Francisco 49ers versus Detroit Lions matchup. But this breaking news was too important to ignore for another day. So we've got you that. Thank you all for tuning in and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.